welcome back to the island folks we got a jam-packed episode on baller island we are gonna break down the nfl trade deadline a lot of moves made chase claypool headed to chicago bradley chubb headed to miami tj hawkinson headed to minnesota a lot of trades to break down in the nfl and we will do just that steve nash is out in brooklyn after a sluggish two and five start they are now honing in on Celtics coach Emi Odoka, who's been suspended for the entire season. We're going to talk about that and get B's thoughts on that situation. We'll also talk week eight in the NFL, make our predictions for week nine's matchups. And since we're at the midpoint in the NFL season, we're going to go through a buy and sell segment on which teams we're buying and which teams we're selling at the midway point in the NFL season. So, Keep it locked. Got a lot of basketball and football talk coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Welcome back to the island, folks. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, and boy, so we got a good episode for y'all today. And it's, it's been a while since we've had a real jam-packed episode. We've had a little bit of everything, but we got... Some big news out of the NBA. We got some crazy trades that went down before the trade deadline today in the NFL. And then, of course, we got to get to all the week eight and nine action. Of course, now that we're at the midpoint of the NFL season, B and I will do a little buy-sell segment as to some teams who have surprised us thus far, like the New York Giants and the New York Jets, the Seattle Seahawks, the Atlanta Falcons leading the NFC South. We're going to see, do we are we buying them midway through the season? Or are we sellers? We'll talk a little bit about that later on. Too. We'll also talk some Super Bowl contenders. Do we buy or sell with them as well? And then, of course, we got some teams that we didn't expect to be doing so poorly, like the Packers, Bucks, and Rams, who will be fighting for their season this Sunday when the Rams take on the Bucks. Huge matchup there. We'll talk about that. B, what's going on, my guy? Your Patriots got a big win, but then some crazy news in the NBA dropping today that involves your boy, Aimi Udoka. I don't know how to feel about that, man. Um, I'm really at a loss. I woke up and I saw that and I was like, damn. But uh, at least, you know, today we get a podcast with all of this still fresh. Because normally I feel like we have to wait till the next week when we get all the breaking news. We got all the breaking news that happened, all the NFL trade deadline stuff. All happened today when we get our fresh opinions on it. Something I feel like doesn't normally happen with us. That is facts. That is very true. Usually when something happens, it's you're right. You usually got to wait a few days or some time to get there. But um, let's let's start with the with the NBA stuff. So obviously, like we just mentioned, Adoka, we involved. We know we talked about him, but obviously for people who don't know what happened. So this all started, of course, we all know we talked about it weeks ago. Adoka got suspended by the Celtics for the season. He is not coaching at all for Boston this season um, due to the whole um relationship thing with someone within the organization that went against the rules now news coming out today out of brooklyn the nets are struggling they're two and five steve nash got his first ejection last week and all that stuff and this dude gets fired today the nets are two and five we know things have been kind of up and down for brooklyn over the past few years with katie and Kyrie. really there's been non-stop drama Really, ever since they got Katie and Kyrie, it's funny how a lot of people have been talking about it too with Brooklyn. They used to be such a 
such a non-drama team before these two got here, and they actually played well together back when D'Lo was there and some of the other dudes. Now, Katie and Kyrie went there, and it feels like it should be a non-stop swirl of drama. And Steve Nash is gone, who was originally their hand-picked guy. B, I want your take on this, man. Like, what? Like, goddamn. And I, I, I have not been able to watch the Brooklyn Nets so far this season, so you probably have, so you probably have a better take than I have. Well, listen, I love Yudoka, right? Like, I, I oh, can't even talk about how good of he, a job he did with the Celtics last year. Watching Tatum and Brown and Smart, basically those three for the last five, six, seven years, and then the one year with Yudoka, their intensity level, just the way – like, everything changed with them. Like, everything changed with them. And it was, like, just a big testament to him. Then you're like, this is the perfect dude to come in. Listen, Steve Nash, I sure he's a great basketball mind, but he does not have the authoritativeness to coach a Kyrie and a Kevin Durant. Yudoka will come in, put his foot down, and be like, nope, you're doing it this way, right? Which could either go one of two ways. Either those two will be like, no, screw you. Do you know who I am? Or it'll be like, yeah, and they buy in, and then all of a sudden they'll win a lot of games if they buy in. Now, those two, it'll be tricky to get them to buy in, especially with Kyrie. Because KD was on that Team USA team that Yudoka was a part of the coaching staff, and he was one of the dudes that KD wanted, but Kyrie didn't, right? And they ended up going with Steve Nash. So as a Celtics fan, I'm cool with it. I like Joe. Joe's doing a good job. Um but when the Brooklyn Nets start winning games, I will start hating this team. And I'll be rooting against Udoka, too. And it's even more funny because we've already been hating against the Brooklyn Nets already. And it would just add more fuel to the fire, especially we all know the whole thing with Kyrie. And every time he comes back to Boston, imagine how much more hostile it would be if you have Udoka and Kyrie coming back to Boston would be wild. And that's the other piece that we did not mention in this whole thing. So Steve Nash gets fired earlier today. And then shortly after that, rumors started swirling about who the Nets are targeting next. And Aimee Udoka was one of them. And Quinn Snyder was the other. But from what we're hearing, it's looking like Aimee Udoka seems to be the guy that Brooklyn is trying to hone in on to make their next head coach. Now, I have no idea how this is going to work because it's, we're only like two weeks into the NBA season and Yudoka's technically suspended by the Celtics. So how would that work? I'm not sure if you know more about it or if oh, like the, you're the just Celtics, as lost as I am. Or The Celtics gave him, basically they let Brooklyn talk to him and whatever. But the thing that like, the Celtics basically let, I think they'll work out something where Brooklyn will buy out his contract or something, but. Got you. The thing is that I was thinking, because I remember this happening maybe like 10 years ago, and when the Celtics first got Brad Stevens, and they traded Doc Rivers to the Clippers for two first-round picks. I remember and I that. was like, that doesn't really happen, but this would be the time to do that as well. Maybe see if you could get a first-round pick for Udoka, because he's that good. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, that's the way I look at it is why not? Why not go out and try and do that? Um, but okay, that makes a whole lot more sense now. So in terms of that happening, so basically 
Yudoka could end up being Brooklyn's head coach this season then, is what I'm hearing. Oh, he's going to be in t- next three games. Oh, damn. Wow. Wow. That, that really definitely puts a whole twist in this NBA season, for sure. And it's great because do you remember how bad the Celtics were basically half of the way through the season? They were a 500 team. Yeah. yeah. It took Yudoka a long time to implement his stuff. And then when it worked, it worked like crazy. Right, but it was yep. a huge adjustment period. Yeah, I don't know if KD and Kyrie are gonna be down to invest all that time, go through the bumps and struggles to for the better payoff in the end because they kind of want it instantly. But that's not how it works. I gotta tell you, for for Udoka, this is an even bigger challenge than taking over the Celtics. Like taking over the Celtics was one challenge, just knowing the history of the organization, knowing they haven't been to a finals in so long, and you have a young core that's ready to win now, and he did it. Like you said, it took time, though. Like you right, they were hovering around the 6-7 spot over the first half of the season. Then once the All-Star break hit, that's when the Celtics just caught fire, and then they were like, what, like 22-6 and six or something like that down the stretch. They couldn't lose a game, and they ran it all the way into deep, deep into June in the NBA Finals. Now he's going to Brooklyn, and you got to deal with KD... Kyrie and Ben Simmons, three guys who are just drama-filled dudes. It's going to be fascinating to watch Yudoka try to put up with those three and to see if those three can put up with him. Yeah, and it's a total different personnel too. His defensive schemes worked with the Celtics because of all their guys they got that are willing to play defense, long, physical guys. I don't really see that in Brooklyn. So we'll see how we adjust to that too. Yeah, no, no doubt. So that'll be fascinating. So we'll end up seeing and we'll keep an eye out on that whole situation there. But man, yeah, that most definitely puts a whole other wrinkle into the NBA season. So that's it. So Steve Nash is done in Brooklyn and we will see in the matter of days if this Yudoka thing ends up happening and he ends up being the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets in the coming days. Whew. Crazy, crazy stuff there. And that doesn't even begin to to talk about what the hell happened in the NFL today in terms of the trade deadline. There was a handful of deals. And before we get to, you know, we're not going to get to all of them. We don't think we have enough time to do that. Um, but what I will say is, B, if, if you got a winner and a loser from today's NFL trade deadline, who you got? Man, I don't really have... A, I mean, I would say... There were all kind of good trades for both for all parties. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I see it from both sides of you for everything. I mean, the Bradley Chubb one was kind of surprised me because I didn't think Miami was at that point where they decided they needed to be all in. You know Agreed. what I'm saying? They could be yep. a team that doesn't even make the playoffs because that division is really good. Yeah. So you're going all in to get Bradley Chubb. Didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I didn't think of that. The Claypool one also didn't have me a little bit baffled. A second rounder for Claypool. I mean, you're the Bears, right? What are you really thinking is going to happen there? I would say that's a win for Pittsburgh because they get a second round pick and they churn out receivers like crazy. So um, I do like the Cal- – is Calvin Ridley going to play this year after that? No, or- I don't think so. I think he's gone for the year. Oh, so he's going to play next year. Yeah, I believe so. And they already have, what, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got um, a handful of guys there. It was definitely an interesting trade there, lad. It, it was interesting. I think for me, when I look at it, there wasn't anything that that you know was totally surprising. And anything, although I think obviously the big one was the McCaffrey one, but that happened a week or two ago. But there wasn't anything like that, right? That just like broke the bank and there were like draft picks going and going crazy. I think if there was anything, the Bradley Chubb one was probably that pick. Um, if I had to pick a winner and a loser today, I'd say Miami's a winner. I'm with you though. Like I, I didn't think they were all in at that point too. But I'm gonna be real with you. I think the minute they traded for Tyreek Hill. Back in the offseason, I think that's really when Miami was like, we're trying to make a run here when they made that move for Tyreek. And now, like, let's be real, they're 5-3 and three right now, but if all the Tua nonsense never happened, maybe they're sitting at 6-2 and two or 7-1 and one right now. Miami's a good football team. I think, do we know how good they are? We're going to get to that a little later on in the episode. But getting Bradley Chubb and when Tua is healthy and he's playing, the Dolphins are winning football games, so... I think that was a big win for the Dolphins to get a guy like Bradley Chubb, add that to that defense. Because we already know their offense is loaded. Adding a piece like that to their defense, that's big for them. Loser for me, the Green Bay Packers. I think this is just like, again, and we're going to get into this too later on in the episode. It's just, you needed to do something. Your team has lost three and four in a row, actually. Four in a row. I don't. I can't remember the last time that's happened with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have receiver help. He's got injuries left, right, and center. Matt Lafleur has no confidence in this offense whatsoever. And we've been hearing rumors about maybe Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham, Chase Claypool. And what happens? Chase Claypool gets dealt to the Bears, not the Packers. I think the Packers need that. They're the three and five team that need Chase Claypool way more than the Chicago Bears. Now, let's be real. Chase Claypool ain't that great. I'm with you, B. I think the Steelers got the the better end of that deal right there. But if there was a team in the NFC North that I think I would have assumed Claypool would have gone to, it would have been the Packers, not the Bears. So I think the Packers lost out on that. Brandon Cooks did not get traded anywhere. Um, so I think that was a real bummer for the Packers to once again let a good opportunity slide there. Even going after a guy like Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley's not going to play this year, but like maybe having him next year, right? Or Kadarius Tony going to Kansas City. There were many opportunities there, and they blew it. And the Bears and the Vikings got better today because they got extra threats. The Vikings got Hawkinson from the Lions, which I thought was very strange because you very rarely see a dude get traded within your division. Um, another big one I thought was Roquan Smith going to Baltimore. I think that's huge. Yeah. Baltimore's defense, they've had their moments. They've been great at times, like we like we've seen them back in the day, but they've also been some days where they the injuries kind of caught up to them. Adding Roquan Smith and having him play aside Patrick Queen, mm-mm. Ravens, big dub there for them. But I think those are kind of my takeaways from the deadline. One of the lower key trades that I think could actually be pretty solid is the Neam Hines one. Agreed. I was thinking yeah. Neam Hines, when he's filled in. It feels like he does his job. Like, when he fills in, he puts it up numbers. Um, so, you're trading away Zach Moss, and you have nothing to even begin with. Neam Hans is going to be a three-down back now. He can catch on third downs. Why not take a flyer on him? I'm sure he's going to do at bare minimum what Zach Moss was. Agreed. Agreed. I think Naeem Hines and Devin Singletary play very similar. They're both kind of smaller backs. You can use them on third downs. They're good pass catchers. They're very similar backs. But Naeem Hines definitely brings a different physicality to this offense 
Devin Singletary, again, he's a smaller back. He's a little bit physical, but not a ton. Zach Moss was the bigger back, but Zach Moss never really got going with the Bills anyway. So I think this was a good move for them. Hines is a veteran. He's experienced. I, I like the way you put it where it's true. Every time the Colts have had an injury and Hines stepped in, the dude would always ball out. Everything the Colts needed him to do, he would do it. I think this is a good get for Buffalo. You're adding a veteran in there. He's going to do what you need him to do. He's big on third downs. The Bills are going to use him very good. And so I think that was definitely a good get for them. Um, Some other trades throughout the day. Rashad Fenton got traded from the Chiefs to the Falcons. Uh, We mentioned the Calvin Ridley one from Atlanta to Jacksonville. Jeff Wilson got traded from the Niners to the Dolphins. That was tough to see, but kind of expected with McCaffrey coming in. Um, Kadarius Toney goes from the Giants to the Chiefs. That was earlier last week. Robert Quinn going from the Bears to the Eagles. That was also earlier last week. Uh, James Robinson, Jaguars to the Jets. Jonathan Hankins, Raiders to the Cowboys as well. Um, That's kind of rounding out the trades from last week and then today, obviously. But yeah, a lot of stuff, but I think nothing that was... That was huge. You know what I'm saying? I think the, the big, the biggest one was the McCaffrey trade. But other than that, um, a lot of under-the-radar ones. But we'll see how any of these pays off. Because I think a handful of these could pay off. I know you were smiling ear-to-ear about your CMC trade. Oh, of course. Of course. Especially after Sunday, which we'll get to in a little bit. Ooh, you, you bet I was smiling ear-to-ear after Sunday's game. Um, but let's, let's get to it. Let's get to week eight. Um, in the NFL here, some stuff here. What what game you want to hit first here? There there are a few. How about last night's, man? The, I, this one was a, a weird one, man. So Monday nights, so we've got the, the Browns and the Bengals. I already kind of knew this was going to be a weird game, but like when I saw the score and I saw in the third quarter it was 25 nothing, I was like, what the hell is going on with the Bengals? Like, I knew Jamar Chase is going to be out sometime, and I knew that, but, like, I, I, I didn't understand this game, if that made sense. Like, I, the Browns are so up and down. They don't really know who they are right now. I, Bengals, the Bengals are going through this weird thing where it's, like, one week they're, like, we're back, and then the next week it's, like, we're not. And they're going through that Super Bowl hangover type thing. At this point in time, when I look at the AFC North, I still love the Ravens' odds to win this division. But the Bengals, man, you can't have games like last night. That was brutal, man. You got to find ways to overcome the injuries. And it just seemed like with no Jamar Chase, they couldn't get anything going. And their O-line reverted back to early in the year, too. Burrow had no time to throw. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was the bank, uh, the Browns um, blitzing because he had no time to throw. Maybe the Browns were like, yo, his number one guy's not there to make him go through his reads and we'll blitz him. He took five sacks yesterday, and um, they never got into a rhythm, man. I, yeah, I'm with you. If you have any Super Bowl aspirations, you cannot lose like that. You can't, and they didn't score until the fourth quarter. Like They were getting shut out for three quarters by the Browns. Like That, that was not a game that the, I didn't expect out of the Bengals on primetime as well. That was a real tough loss for them. It's going to be interesting to see what they're able to get. They got the Panthers next. That's a game you should get. But as we've seen in the past, all of a sudden the Panthers are playing with a whole lot more energy now uh, ever since Matt Rule left. And with P.J. Walker at the helm, they're playing a lot better football now. Um, But the Bengals, yeah, that's a very, very strange game. And the Browns, again, still not expecting a ton out of them. Like it was a big game. Chubb did his thing. Amari Cooper did his thing. 
the Browns look good. Like they have their moments where they look like a good football team, but I just can't see it happening. Honestly, this season with them, um, by the time Deshaun comes back, it's like, again, they got to figure out who are they and not expecting a lot. But if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, man, you cannot afford a game like that. So they got to get their act together. They got to be Carolina next week, which would be very interesting. Okay. Let me ask you something. When is Deshaun supposed to be back? Uh, I think it's week 13 against the Texans. Okay, like, are we all just penciling him as a, and as a starter? Because you would think, right, he hasn't even been allowed to practice being in the facility, right? If somebody's doing something every single day and practicing and somebody else ain't, like, that gap isn't the same as it was two years ago. You know what I'm saying? It's a good so take. Like, like I, I don't care who you are, but you're not practicing for 13 weeks. Basically, all of last year, too. Jacoby Brissett knows the offense, deals with the ins and outs of it every single day. I might stick around with Jacoby the rest of the year. Let Deshaun Watson start fully next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you make you do make a good point there. It just depends what the Browns want to do because they invested all this into Sean Watson and he's been out for a long, like, don't forget that like, he didn't play at all last year, pretty much at all this year. It's been a long time since he's been on the football field. Week 13 is late in the season. I think it really depends where the Browns are at. Be like if the Browns, if they're still kind of sticking around in the hunt and they think they got a chance, you roll with Jacoby. Don't bring in Deshaun now. Don't wreck it up because I'm with you. The Browns have looked good at times. Jacoby Brissett has not done a bad job at all. This offense looks fine. The defense plays, especially like last night. The Browns, are they don't look horrible. But if they're out of contention and they're, what are they, three and five right now? If they're out of contention by then and they, they've lost every game after the bye week or you know only won one game, they're like four and nine, then there's really no harm in throwing in Deshaun there, just getting him some reps and moving on to next season. So I think it really just depends where Cleveland's at as to what their decision is going to do. But it'll be very interesting is if the Browns get hot and they're in the hunt, now you've got a decision to make. And I'm with you. I, I think you got to stick with Jacoby if you're rolling. But it'll be very interesting to see what the Browns do. And I feel like there might be a bit of a, a rift there because I feel like Stefanski might be like, well, we're rolling right now. And their owner and their GM are like, well, we paid up for Deshaun. That will be interesting. Very interesting to see if that happens. But um, not sure. I mean, I, I kind of kind of want to know who the Browns have before that. No, week 13 when Deshaun is supposed to come back, it's against the Texans. So they have, oh, Lord, this is not good. Next three games off after the bye. On the road at Miami, on the road at Buffalo, and then hosting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now looking very good. Yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see how that plays out. But just the thing I thought of literally right now, because – People are penciling him coming back and being Deshaun Watson from two years ago. That, like, pro sports is so good, man. You take one year off and the whole thing just, it's so hard to come back like that. No, when you look at it, B, you look at their losses this season, the only team that really beat the crap out of them was your Patriots, 38-15. to You look at all the other losses, they lost to the Jets by one. They lost to the Falcons by three the Chargers by two, and then the Ravens by three. The Browns are not a horrible football team, and they've been in in, in almost every game that they've played this season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
that's why I was having a a hard time, especially after that Patriots one. I was really surprised because I was like, I thought the Browns were a good team. Like I thought they're a feisty team. I think they have the best running back in the league. They got a good O line, physical O line. Their defense is legit. Amari Cooper's still balling, and I've always liked Brissett. Brissett's serviceable. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna win you games. It's not going to be the sole reason he wins you games, but he ain't going to lose you games either. Yeah, no, no doubt. That'll be interesting, though. They got a bye week coming up, and then after that, um, yeah, they got a they got a tough three-game stretch, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. So we'll see how that goes before Deshaun is eligible to return week 13 against his former team, the Houston Texans. Um, all right, let's, let's keep moving here. Let's go Giants-Seahawks here. Two teams. We thought last week this was probably going to be the best game of the day. Wasn't necessarily that. Seahawks won this game 27 to 13. Looked good again at home. Geno Smith doing his thing. The Giants kind of fell back down to earth a little bit. But the Seahawks are now in first place in the NFC West midway through the year, sitting at five and three. Um, Geno continues to impress, man. I got to give the credit where it's due here. I don't love giving Seattle credit, but man, they do look good. Pete Carroll is, just seems like he's on a mission this year, man. Feel like he's like, all that Seattle drama with the Russell Wilson and stuff, but Pete Carroll's locked in, man. They they basically said we're gonna tank. He's like, nope, screw that. I'm not tanking. Very impressive what the Seahawks are doing. This score did not surprise me. I do think the Seahawks are better than the Giants. I thought the Giants basically every game the Giants played was a coin flip. Yeah. The Seahawks have been putting up points in every game they've played, and I'm I'm definitely surprised but got to give him the credit oh no doubt and i think again this all kind of starts with geno smith because we were all kind of expecting the geno smith of the past but this dude has been playing really good football and you got to give the credit and everyone, everyone was so was so quick to pencil in brian dable for coach of the year Pete carroll's kind of putting himself in that conversation right now b i think obviously nick sirianni's probably the lead dog with philadelphia but you got to give Pete Carroll in there, too. Like, again, like you said, nobody really expected anything out of them this season. They're sitting there 5-3 and three at the midway point. Geno Smith's balling out. Kenneth Walker is really revived that run game. The Seahawks are, again, they're playing good football, and they're winning football games. So we'll see if they're able to keep that up. They got the Cardinals next week, which will be interesting. But interesting their stuff, man. And the Giants head into their bye weeks in the 6-2. and two. I get. I think the Giants, they're a feisty team, but we're, again, we're still learning a lot about who they are. Like Everyone got really quick to kind of say this is who they are, but they got the Texans coming out of the bye, and they got the Lions after that. Those are two winnable games. Then is where things get really big for the New York Giants. They got four straight division games, Dallas, Washington, Philadelphia, Washington. That's their season. I think they, they honestly, I think they're going to beat the Texans and the Lions. Both games are at home. They're going to be sitting at eight and two. Now you're going to be fighting for the division, a wild card, or you could lose all of them and be out of the playoffs altogether. Cowboys, Washington, Philly, Washington. Their next four games after that would be starting week 12. I can't lie to you. If they beat both the Texans and the Lions, it'll impress me because good teams don't lose to bad teams, right? Good point. They take care of business when the game they're supposed to. If they beat both of those teams, which they should, and they're sitting at eight and two, they take care of business and they're set. 
the Giants that we're used to, or, you know, this is the kind of the, the point where these teams that we were a little shocked by, they started losing these games, fall back to earth. Their season was never really anything after that. They win these two games, eight and two, have that slew of division games. They'll make the playoffs then probably, right? Yep. Yeah. You got to take care of business, man. You can't lose the teams you're supposed to beat. That's a good point. No, they, that is a, that is a really good point. And we'll see if they're able to take care of business there because right. If they are, again, that's the difference between no, actually, no, I'm with you. If you be, if you drop either the Texans, or the lions, that will kind of almost prove to you that this is the difference between fighting for a division title or missing the playoffs altogether. If you're serious about taking down Philly and winning the NFC East, then you beat the Texans and the Lions, and then you got four straight divisional games. It's all in your hands there. But if you lose it to the Texans and the Lions, now we're talking, okay, now we're in trouble. But, I mean, it's been a while since there's been a meaningful Giants-Cowboys game. Thanksgiving, Giants go to the Cowboys. That's a big, that's a big game. Big game right there in, in Week 12. So we'll see what happens there. Some big games coming up for the Giants, but I'm with you. I, I think those two games are massive there, and, We'll see if Seattle can kind of keep that up, too. I mean, like I said, they're playing Arizona next week. And I'm going to bring up their schedule, who they got after that. They got Cardinals, Tampa Bay, Raiders, and then the Rams. Four four winnable games right now. Like, the Cardinals, Bucks, Raiders, Rams, all four of those teams are struggling right now. And then yep. they got the Panthers after that. And then they end the year with 49ers, Chiefs, Jets, Rams. I don't know, man. Things can get Things are just getting weird in the NFC. Things are getting super weird. Um, let's keep things in the NFC West. My Niners demolished the Rams 31-14 for the eighth consecutive time in the regular season. And my boy Christian McCaffrey was, whew, Lord have mercy. This dude was, an understatement is good. This dude was phenomenal. Yeah, the trifecta too, man. I'm all in, all in on your Niners. Since they made that trade, I was thinking McCaffrey in this offense Holy crap. This is going to be so much fun to watch. And even last week, he only was there for basically like 20 minutes before they threw him into the game. Still did work. Now you have him a full week of practice. What did this guy end up with? Like 170 total yards? Dude was just, this is going to be so much fun to watch all year, man. I can't believe how you guys got him like this. Um, In my opinion, the NFC is so wide open. I think he makes you guys the favorites. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think everyone everyone looks at the Niners as a top favorites to take down Philadelphia right now, especially after how they performed against the Rams on Sunday. Um, but I think, again, when you look at it, it's the same thing when we were just talking about with the New York Giants, how you got to take care of business against the teams you're supposed to beat. The Niners haven't done that. They've dropped games against the Broncos. They've dropped games against the Bears. They've dropped a game against the Falcons. Three out of their four losses are games that they should have won and they've lost. So that's the only thing I'm kind of worried about with this Niners team is now with McCaffrey and you got guys coming back after the bye week, this bye week could not be coming at a better time for this football team. When you look this good against the Rams on Sunday, now you're going into a bye week and you got guys coming back. You got Eric Armstead coming back, Elijah Mitchell coming back. Uh, Dre Greenlaw coming back. You got a lot of dudes coming back, which is huge for this team. Um, and after the bye week. So, I don't know, man. We'll see. And they got Chargers, Cardinals, Saints coming out of the bye. Win all three of those games. At the bare minimum, win two out of those three. 
and we're looking good because after that, you got Dolphins, Buccaneers, Seahawks. That's going to be a tough three-game stretch right there in December. Got to take care of business in the next three games after the bye. But, man, Christian McCaffrey, holy crap. Like, I, I knew he was going to thrive in this offense, but that was exactly what I was looking for, especially with the play where he threw the touchdown. I was like, now that's the creativity I was looking for with Kyle Shanahan calling the shots, and I saw it. That was a fantastic game, and I'm also going to give Jimmy G some love because he was fantastic in this game. Probably his best game all season. When he's in the zone, this offense is in the zone, and this defense, they struggled a little bit in the first half. They finally got things going in the second half and shut the Rams out in the second. How this team just continues to get the better of the Rams, but they do it, and it just gets better and better and better every time. It's 1,000% mental now. Like, you guys, for them, it's like, oh, we have to play these guys again. They, you know, they have our number. It's on. It's a thousand percent mental. You they can't were tell reeling, me, bro. They were reeling in that second half mentally. You can't tell me, like, especially, let's say the last eight times or whatever, you guys have been more or less a coin flip game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's no way it should be heads eight times in a row. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it 100% is. And again, you really saw it in that second half. The Ram- I, and I haven't seen the Rams like that, where they've just lost it mentally. They lost it. That Allen Robinson taunting call, they started getting into it. You had Ashawn uh, Robinson getting into it with Trent Williams. You had Jalen Ramsey getting into it with Robbie Gold. You had a lot of different dudes get into it. I haven't seen the Rams like that. I really haven't. It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen them real like that. And again, the Niners fan part of me absolutely loves it. But in general, when you look at this football team, I don't know, man. And then one of the dumbest plays at the end there was leaving Cooper Cup in and then throwing him a pass when the game's already out of reach and the dude injures his ankle. That's going to be something to monitor. I don't know, man. The Rams, they, they can't run the football for crap. They don't have any other targets other than Cooper Cup. They have a hard time moving the football down the field. I just, I don't know, man. I got to tell you that that Rams-Bucks game, it doesn't look attractive, but it is a huge game in the NFC on Sunday. Both teams are so desperate for a win. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Who would have thought? Nine weeks in, we're like, must win for both of these teams. Literally. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so man, yeah, that, that was something else. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I truly don't know how the Niners continuously do it to the Rams, but again, it just gets better and better every time, at least from, from my side of things, but Ooh, something else. Speaking of another team that just has not been able to hit their stride. We'll get to the bucks in a second, but that's the green Bay Packers. We talked about them at the top of the episode, um, where I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do anything at the deadline today. They go into Buffalo, the green Bay Packers historically as an organization have never won a game in Buffalo, and that continues. The Bills won 27-17. They were on cruise control as per usual. The Bills only scored three points in the second half. The Packers had their chances to come back in this game, but they just weren't able to do it. Aaron Jones had a big day, 143 yards on the ground, but the Packers once again had no passing game, and this team just can't catch a break when you look at it. They got the Lions next week, get-right game for them. I don't know, man. The Bills look great, as per usual. No surprises there, but the Packers, be I don't know what's going on, man. Bucks, Rams, Packers, we're going to talk about them in just a few minutes, but man, this was this was another tough game. It's the fourth straight loss for Green Bay. I mean, nobody expected them to win this game. The fact that they only lost by 10 was like whatever, because 
But those normally kill, kill bad teams by like And it 30. looked like it. It looked like it in the first little bit, too. All right, so the Packers showed a little bit of fight at the end. Weren't able to close it out. Um, but they lost by 10. I mean, this game went exactly how I thought it was going to be. There's nothing that surprised me. Not No real takeaways. The Packers just aren't the Packers. Yeah, they're not. And then that and that's the concerning part, right? And it's like you know, you don't want to waste Aaron Rodgers' time. And I feel like the pay, the Packers have already been doing that over the last like five, six years, anyways. But now you're just doing it again by trading Devontae Adams and then not doing anything about it. And that trade in a hole right now is looking like a lose lose situation for both sides because the Raiders suck and the Packers can't get anything going in the pass game. So it's really just a lose-lose situation on both ends. But then it's like the Packers, you have an opportunity to do something at the deadline and you don't do it. So now it's like, what are you going to do? Like We've been saying it for the longest time that the Packers need a defense. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a defense. Now they get a defense. But now they need more help on offense and they're not getting the help on offense. They just have never been able to give Aaron Rodgers a complete team and it's and it's showing it right now because the the Packers just can't catch a break for the love of God. Like it's just it's not looking good for them at all. Um, but we'll we'll talk more about them in a in a little bit. But let's let's go to the Raiders real quick. This was such a strange game. Like I really thought that this was going to be the game where you know the Raiders are so hit and miss when it comes to Eastern Time Zone games. It's either they get their asses absolutely handed to them. Or they shock everybody and they win a game and they're like 34-31 or something like that. The Raiders' offense didn't even show up. The Raiders' defense showed up, but the Raiders' offense didn't show up. Like, I don't know what happens to them, but the plane disappeared or like put them at the wrong airport or something. But this was an absolute disaster for the for, for your Las Vegas Raiders, man. Tell me, you're getting, like, what was helping you the last three weeks? was feeding Josh Jacobs. Tell me why he only gets 10 carries. 10 carries for 43 yards. No sense. Was, um, I, I, initially, I check in the box, so I'm like, yo, was Devontae Adams playing? Oh, wait a second. There he is all the way at the bottom. One catch for three yards. What? And now we have Jared Stidham coming in late in the game, and reports are saying that Derek Carr is playing for his job the next couple of weeks. What is going on? This is not the Vegas season that I thought was going to happen. Why is this Derek Carr's fault? That's my question. Like, why? Like, I don't understand. Again, you're getting away from what was working. Run the ball with Josh Jacobs. And they didn't do it. And they didn't get Devontae Adams at all. Right? Run the football, get the chains moving, then open up the pass game a little bit more. The Raiders didn't do it at all. Like, putting up zero points is unacceptable, especially when it's Josh McDaniels calling the plays. Josh McDaniels is looking horrible right now, man. They're two and five. They haven't won a game on the road. They're sitting in dead last in the division with a, a Broncos team sitting in front of them that doesn't look any better, even though they won on Sunday. Who cares? Like, it's, I don't know. There, there really is no excuses for the Raiders right now. They went to the playoffs last year. They played a whole lot better with Rich Basaccia as head coach. Now they went out and they gave Josh McDaniels the bag, and the Raiders look 10 times worse. I don't know, man. The Raiders just have this thing of giving these big-name coaches the bag, and it just doesn't pay off. They did it with Gruden, ended brutally. Now they did it with McDaniels, and it's not helping at all. 
I don't know what's going on with this football team, man. It just made Derek Carr play. I haven't seen any of this stuff fighting for his job, bruh. That to me is mind boggling because Derek Carr has been anything like the dude just fights every week. He's been fighting every week for this team for the last like eight years. And the dude just hasn't been able to catch a break. I don't know, man. The Saints got away with this one. Alvin Kamara went nuts, but like they, they got her. They got away with this one because the Raiders just didn't even show up. They didn't even show up to the Superdome. Pathetic. You, normally, I'm a Derek Carr fan, but th- this year he's not been good, and it's part of the reason they're two and five, man. I, well, I thought. Does that show more about Derek Carr or more about Josh McDaniels, though? Or both. I mean, look, you have. Well, I mean, Derek Carr was able to put up numbers with every single coach, right? So true, you were like, true, Dad. So yeah, that shows something in Josh McDaniels because you're like, how is he not able to pull up numbers with them? Yeah. But then at, at this point, you're like, Josh Jacobs is having his best year of his career. We give you Devontae Adams, and now you're having your worst year of your career when when you have more weapons. Is Jared Stidham gonna be any better? Like that's like that's the other thing too. Like is he is Jared Stidham really gonna be any better than what you got in Derek Carr right now? They gotta play better as a team. Like it's not a one man show right here. Like they, like you have got to play better as a team. Going on the road and getting shut out is just not like that's. It does feel a lot of like, feel like a lot of ISO ball. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like I just I I don't know, man. It just feels like it's the same. It's the same story with the Raiders every single year. And every year we want it to change, and it just doesn't change. So I don't know what the hell's up with them, man, but it just doesn't look good. Um, last two games we'll hear before we go to week nine here. Actually, do we want to go Ravens, Bucks, or Bears, Cowboys? we got time for one of the two. Ravens, Bucks. Yeah, Ravens, Bucks here. Yeah, so that, I mean, yeah. Now, this is definitely more of the important one here because, again, the Ravens look good. Lamar look good. No Mark Andrews. He left the game with a shoulder injury midway through the, midway through the game. But once again, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense just looked awful. They couldn't get anything going. Brady missed some throws, which is very uncharacteristic of himself. This was not a good game for Tampa Bay, man, at all, as they've now lost again and they're now sitting at three and five. First time Tam- or Tom Brady has lost three in a row in like what was it maybe 15, 16 years now. Honestly in the first quarter though, I think Tampa had like three drives and they had 10 points. Like their offense was moving it in the first yeah, quarter. No, they were. And I was like, okay. I was getting all excited. And then they ended up losing this game and I was like, these guys can't catch a break. No. Um Especially without, uh, you said Mark Andrews got hurt too, right? Yeah. Defense has not been, at least this year, I thought their defense was going to be their calling card. Over the last couple of weeks, over this losing streak, especially, their defense has been getting lit up. It's the injuries. The injury, like they're they're hurt, man. They were missing half their secondary in that game. Winfield was out. Uh, Murphy Bunting was out. Carlton Davis was out. They lost Shaq Barrett for the year, which was huge, huge loss right there. Tampa's been banged up, man. They've lost a lot of guys on that defense, and that's ultimately, I think, the reason that's, that's killing them. And then even on offense, right, they've dealt with a lot of injuries too. So they're dealing with the injury bug, and it's not helping. But, of course, what we've always talked about over the years with a, to- a team with Tom Brady, a quarterback, is, well, everyone else gets hurt around him, but you still have number 12, a quarterback. And, that's not even working right now for Tampa Bay. So I don't know, man. 
Baltimore looks good, though. Baltimore looks good. I think they're in the driver's seat to win the AFC North. Lamar's playing good football. The defense got better with adding Roquan Smith, one of the better linebackers in football. I like what they did there. I'm rounding out the week nine or week eight uh, scores. Broncos finally got back on the winning in the win column in London over Jacksonville, 21-17. Vikings improved to six and one over the Cardinals, 34-26. Dolphins beat the Lions, 31-27. Jalen Waddle went crazy. Speaking of dudes going crazy, how about Tony Pollard? Go filling in for Zeke. He went absolutely nuts. Cowboys dropping 49 points, looking a lot more like they were last year. They beat the Bears 49-29. Falcons beat the Panthers. This one, this game was crazy. 37-34 in overtime. Panthers had a chance to win it, but that penalty moved the extra point back, and then they missed it, forcing the game to go to overtime. Your Patriots beat the Jets 22-17. Eagles stay unbeaten after killing the Steelers 35-13. Titans beat the Texans 17-10. Apparently, Malik Willis only threw the ball like 11 times in that game. Uh, Commanders beat the John, or Colts, sorry, 17-16. And that will round out the Week 8 scores. Any um, any thoughts on any of those games? I mean, that Dallas game was pretty good. I mean, it was just like a real well-executed game. Nothing crazy happened. I mean, Chicago only turned over the ball once, right? So basically, Dallas was just scoring. Every time they touched the ball, to put up 49. Tony Pollard, like you said, went off. Um, But they were just putting on a clinic offensively. Yeah, literally. Um, I also want to shout out um, your boy Haneke, man, getting the job done again. That was disgusting. That play to Terry McLaurin with 30 seconds left in the game um, with the game on the line was just huge. I mean, the, again, the commanders continue to play and fight when Taylor Haneke is at quarterback. All right, before we get to the buy-sell segment, and then obviously we got to get to the week nine picks as well, real quick here. Game ball, team of the week, biggest letdown. Don't got to elaborate too much into the three. Game ball, Alvin Kamara finally gets into the end zone. Not once, not twice, but three times. Been looking for that all season. Game ball, uh, team of the week, Seahawks. Big time win against a very, what we think is a very good Giants team. Seahawks keep it rolling. And then disappointment of the week. Roddy touched on it a bit, but the Raiders. 100 yards for, for Derek Carr, 43 yards for Josh Jacobs, and the whopping three yards for Devontae Adams. Come on, do better than that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, my game ball is going to my boy Christian McCaffrey becoming the first player since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005 to throw a touchdown, rush for a touchdown, and receive a touchdown. Dude was unbelievable on Sunday. He gets my game ball in his, well, really that was technically his real 49ers debut considering the Chiefs game. He played half the snaps because he was only a Niner for 48 hours. Still extremely impressive. My team of the week's the Dallas Cowboys getting back to where they were without Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard having the day he was. Dallas Cowboys, man, they're looking good. That NFC East is getting crazy in there and I'm eyeing down that week 16 matchup in Jerry World. Philadelphia at Dallas on Christmas Eve. That's going to be a huge game in late December. I really do think that. Biggest letdown for me is the Green Bay Packers. Not necessarily because they lost to the Buffalo Bills. Like like you said, we all kind of assumed that was going to happen anyways. But the fact that you got your ass kicked by the Buffalo Bills and then did nothing at the trade deadline after losing four straight games, that's the one that kind of gets me. So Packers are my biggest letdown of the week. All right, let's get to the buy-sell segment and let's start with the boomer bust category. We got three, three and five teams 
sitting here, three teams we certainly did not expect at all to be in this position. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers sitting at three and five, the Green Bay Packers sitting at three and five, and the Rams sitting at three and four. B, I think one of these teams is is bound to get hot, but I also think one of these te- these two teams, a downfall is coming, and it's and whoever it is, it's going to be a shocker for her, whichever one of the three. But if you had to bet on it, which one are you buying that they're going to get it right at some point and make the playoffs, or which one are kind of just doomed to be done? Which one was the third? You said the Rams, the, the Bucks, Rams, and the- Bucks, and the Packers. I mean, I think the Packers are doomed. I think the Rams are also doomed. The Bucks, like I'm gonna keep saying it, they're in it just because of how bad their division is. Um, and then come winter football, December, January, ain't nobody else I'd rather have than twelve. But Packers are doomed. I don't think the Packers are probably gonna win eight or eight games. Rams, Super Bowl hangover. I don't see any optimism on both of those teams. It's crazy to think who we think is going to get it right. And I think we all kind of go to Tom Brady um, to get it right. I still think the Buccaneers will find a way to make the playoffs. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to find a way to do it. I'm going to say the Packers. I think they're going to find a way to do it. They've lost four in a row. But as much as we like to say you don't want to bet on Tom Brady, we also don't like to bet on Aaron Rodgers. The Packers, again, they've... (laughs) It's such a strange thing. They look different right now, but I just there's something about me that feels like Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to get hot. I don't know what it is. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know with what receivers he's going to do with. The dude might just need me and you to go and suit up for him. But I feel like the Packers are going to get it right. The Rams are so one-dimensional. I just don't believe in it. Until they find somebody else to help out that offense and they find a way to run the football, are the Rams going to have any shot? The Buccaneers, for me... Yes, obviously, you never want to bet on Tom Brady. But again, I've never seen Tom Brady look like this in my entire life. I've never seen the Buccaneers look. And again, the injuries are there. Totally. That's understandable. I've never seen Brady like this before. Brady just seems different. He's got a different energy to him. They're trying to, you know, fix everything. They got guys in and out every week. Something's off with that football team, man. I don't know what's going to happen. I think the Packers figure it out. I think the Rams, unless they like the Rams look doomed to me because they're one dimensional. They've been one dimensional since week one. I've been saying this with the LA Rams. They got to figure it out. And then Tampa, I don't know, man. Things look different. And this Rams Bucks game on Sunday, like I said, huge game. To think the Buccaneers would go to three and six to lose this game is mind boggling to me. The Rams going to three and five is also kind of mind boggling to me, but not as bad as the Buccaneers being three and six. All right, playoff by itself. Let's start with the Tennessee Titans sitting at 5-2. and two. I think you and I are both not high on the Titans. We didn't expect the Titans to be in first place at this far in the season. Are you buying or are you selling for the Titans to be playoff contenders? Buying them to make the playoffs. We, I thought they were going to take a step back this year, but I guess if everybody else in your division takes a step back, it doesn't really matter because the rest of the division <laughs> is trash. Me, you, grab seven other dudes, man. We'll compete in this division. I can't believe um, that these guys are five and two. They are going to make the playoffs. Um, don't expecting nothing else from that. Yeah, I think the Titans are going to win this division. I think the, the division's honestly just garbage at this point. The Colts have pretty much just packed it in. The Jaguars are still learning how to win, and the Texans are just doomed as an organization. 
Um, so I think the Titans make the playoffs, but I really don't expect them out of, you know, to do much more after that, especially we don't even know who's going to play quarterback at that point. Malik Willis, he's young. He looks good, but we don't know a lot about him. Tannehill, we know everything we need to know about him. And if he's the quarterback, the Titans are one and done in the playoffs. Chargers sitting at four and three coming off a of bye week. They go to Atlanta this Sunday. Don't know, man. The, the Chargers, again, I seem to have a whole lot more faith in them at the beginning of the season. You don't. But now when you look at the Chargers, it's like they got the Falcons, they got the 49ers the next two games. They got to show something in these next two weeks. Sell, 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 man. When we're talking about good teams take care of business, this team takes care of the least business ever. They're constantly losing games. And that's basically why last year I was super high on them. Watched them. They lost so many games they should have won. I can't back that team again this year. Probably, honestly, one of the worst coach teams ever. It's just they have way too much talent to be this disappointing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And again, they they have been without Keenan Allen. They've been without Rashawn Slater. They've been without Joey Bosa. They've gotten hurt with injuries too, man. It's a big name starters too. Um, I'm going to say sell with the Chargers too, man. Until they show me anything different, am I going to really think this team is a true playoff contender? Because they don't look like it. Brandon Staley, man, I don't know. This is the second season. He may just be on the hot seat because this team, like you said, way, way too talented to be sitting at four and three right now, man. They got to take charge at some point. Let me get to teams that have, that have surprised us this far. We talked about them earlier. The New York Giants, 6-2, and two, taking the league by storm. They kind of fell back down to earth. They got a bye week this week. When I look at the New York Giants, man, they fight. They fight hard. And I do think this team can be a wild card team, but I don't see them anything much more than that because they're still young. They're still young. They're still learning how to win games. The scary part for the Giants, which is good for the future, is the fact that they're so young and they're learning how to win games already. The fact that they've won so many close games already, and I talked about this last week, shows that the Giants are battle-tested. I'm not going to buy into them quite yet. Again, I think they make the playoffs, but I don't know how much further they get after that because this team, again, is still super young. And again, they kind of fell back down earth against the Seahawks on Sunday. But I'm with you. We're going to find out after the bye. We've got Texans and the Lions. Take care of business and get to 8-2. See, I don't know if I can buy this team as a playoff contender. Not this year, at least. But it's tough because the, the the division they're in, I mean, I think Dallas is a playoff team. I mean, the Eagles are definitely a playoff team. I can't see three teams coming from the East. I just can't see three playoff teams coming from the East. Especially now you have all the division games getting together. They're all going to beat each other up a little bit. Um, so if they do, they get that seventh wild card spot, but I can't see it happening. The thing is, I don't see two teams coming out of the South. And I certainly don't see two teams coming out of the North. So my only other option would be, I think two teams are coming out of the East and one team's coming out of the West or uh, for wild cards. That is. So I don't know, man, that's what I'm saying. I think the giants, you know, the NFC, there's not a lot of teams at this point in time where I'm like, am I really buying them to be a contender? The giants are six and two and they've beaten some good football teams already. So, but we'll see if they can keep it up though. Cause they got some big, big games coming up. Speaking of teams that we didn't expect to be here, Two teams, really. The Seahawks sitting at five and three atop their division, heading into Week Nine, and the Atlanta Falcons are four and four, sitting atop the NFC South. I don't think either of us thought that either of these teams would be where they are today. Let's start with the Seahawks. I don't know if I'm quite ready to buy into this team just yet. Again, like I, 
it's such a strange thing. They're playing really good football, and you can't fault them for that. But do I really buy on them to end up winning this division? I don't know. And it very well, very well might just come down to that Week 15 Thursday night game when my Niners go up to Seattle. That's going to be a big game in the NFC West. I'm buying them as a playoff team. I'm thinking, look, the wild cards are going to probably have a record of 9-8. and eight, Probably. Right? And the Seahawks could definitely get to 9-8. and eight. Um, So between them, Atlanta, the Giants, all three of them could be 9-8, and eight, and we have a next tiebreaker to, to decide who gets in. But I like their chances of making the playoffs. That's a team, when you're in the playoffs, you don't want to play them right in that first opening matchup. You do not want to play the Seahawks, I'll tell you that. No doubt, and they, they have a different physicality to them, right? They play with a different kind of energy, and that's what Pete Carroll teams do. They fight. Um, so I'll give them that. But again, just I just, I don't know. There's something about the, the Seahawks team that I just can't get behind to be that much of a contender just yet. Um, so I'm going to say sell at the moment, but don't count them out in any game that they play in because they, they, they are going to give you their best shot in every game because they, they've done it thus far. The Falcons, on the other hand, I get like it'll be. About, I'm gonna sell on the Falcons because it's gonna be about time that the Buccaneers get it right. I think we're all just banking on it still that at some point Tampa's gonna get it right, Atlanta's gonna fall back to earth. So the Falcons will eventually sell because again, they don't really know who they are as a team, they're still young. But I'll give them the credit where it's due, they fight hard every week, too. That's the thing I'm gonna give it the Giants, Seahawks, and Falcons, three teams we did not expect to be contenders at this point in time, they fight every week. That's the one thing I'll give to all three of those teams. The Falcons are super creative on offense too. And they kind of like, they're doing this like, basically they're not even looking at Kyle Pitts, which I honestly was thinking Kyle Pitts might get traded at the deadline because most hyped over tight end I've ever seen, not even getting looks. And they're still winning games, right, with him being not even a factor in their offense. I was going to say they're going to try and trade him. You have Cordero Patterson coming back two weeks from now. He adds a whole other dynamic to this offense as well. Mariota's doing his thing, man. You got to give him some credit, man. Marcus Mariota's been playing good football. I'm with you, man. I'm selling them just because I think the Bucs will pick it up. But Atlanta's been in some fun games. Yeah. No, they, they definitely have. That Panthers game was crazy. Um, all right, Super Bowl by herself, championship contenders. There hasn't been a ton, but we're starting the AFC. We know the Bills and the Chiefs are obviously there, so we're not we didn't put them on this list because come on, let's be real. We know those two teams are already the top two teams in the AFC. Baltimore sitting at five and three. I gotta tell you, B, I, I do. I, I'm buying in Baltimore. I think this team, we know John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in all of football. Lamar, when he's healthy, we know what he can do. I find it impressive that they're doing what they're doing with a lot of these no-name wide receivers, but they're winning football games. They're running the ball. Their O-line is very good, and this defense got a lot better at the trade deadline. I like Baltimore. I'm with you, man. There's very few coaches I'd rather have than Harbaugh on my side in December and January. Um, I love Baltimore, come around that time, is just a different team too. So um, I'm never going to sell on Baltimore at that point. Exactly. I'm totally with you on that. The defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals sitting at four and four. 
I'm going to say sell as a Super Bowl contender, but buy as a playoff contender. You don't count this team out. This team is still so talented. They're without Jamar Chase right now, but they got to play better than they did on Monday night. Monday night was unacceptable for this team. They got to show up. They got to play better football. And I think they'll be in the thick of things in December for a playoff contender. But a Super Bowl contender, I don't know if this team is ready to get back just yet right now. They got a lot of things to fix. And without Jamar Chase, it's going to be a tough uphill climb for these boys. Yeah, I'm selling. It sucks though. Last year, last year's run was so so ahead of schedule, right? Like, if they were like four and four, like right here, and this was last year, people would be like, okay, our arrow's still trending upwards. But they had that huge spike up arrow, and now it's a huge downwards. Um, but this is the original course it's supposed to be. The next year, that's supposed to be a more. Then we can start talking Super Bowl. They get all blown out of proportion with how fast-tracked it was last year. Agreed. I 100% agree with that. Um, the unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles, the only team left unbeaten in the NFL. Um, I'm going to say bye because nobody else in the NFC has really shown that they're ready to be a championship contender. And I got to give the credit where it's due here. The Eagles may be slightly inexperienced, but they're playing very, very good football. Jalen Hurts is on another level right now. A.J. Brown has been unbelievable. They're running the football well with Miles Sanders. Their O-line is one of the best in the league. The defense is stacked. They got playmakers everywhere. Sirianni's done a really nice job in his second year. They did make the playoffs last year. I didn't think much of the Eagles going into the, Everybody was kind of buying into them. And turns out the, pre, the preseason hype was right. Because the Eagles are unbeaten this far, and they're well on their way to being the number one seed. But those divisional games, because the Giants and the Cowboys are putting the heat on. They're right there, man. They're right sitting there like a game or two by and just waiting for the Eagles to fall. And the Giants still got to play them twice, and the Cowboys still got to play them once more in December. So that's one thing to kind of watch out. But the Eagles, nobody else has really shown that they're ready to take that step. So until that happens... It's kind of the, the one seed, at least right now, is the Eagles for the taking. Yeah. I would say the thing is the NFC is so weak. Like, if they were in the AFC, I mean, they could lose in, to five or six teams in the playoffs. In the NFC, I mean, if the Cowboys and Giants do get in, then it's a it could be weird, a divisional playoff game. But the NFC is weak. I mean, the Niners, I think, are better than the – I have more faith in the Niners coming out of the NFC than I do with the Eagles. I just I, I can't see the I'm gonna sell. I can't see the Eagles winning the whole thing. I just can't see it. I mean, neither can I. I mean, I've been saying that all off season. Um, but at this point in time, again, like I said, there's no one else in the NFC that's proven that. The next team up there is my Niners. They're sitting at four and four. I, I understand where you're saying where the Niners are you would take the Niners over the Eagles over in the playoffs because I would too. But mainly because the Niners stars are more experienced than the Eagles stars at this point, right? There isn't many guys on this Eagles team that were there on the Super Bowl team in 2018. But the Niners, they still have a handful of their guys that were on that Super Bowl team in 19, that were on that team last year that went to the NFC Championship. They've played tough games in January. They've been battle-tested. So that's where I think the Niners, that's going to help them down the stretch if they're able to get there. But again, 
the Niners right now, they got to take care of business, man. They lost some games already this season that they shouldn't have lost. If they're able to take care of business in the second half of the season and go on a run like they did last season, no doubt, no doubt about it. I know where my Niners can go, man. I know what the goal is, but they got to take care of business. But especially with that in Christian McCaffrey, absolutely this team is a championship contender. But they got to take care of business in the regular season and win the NFC West. They're on a good track right now. Win the NFC West, man. And the last but not least, the Dallas Cowboys sitting at six and two. As a Super Bowl contender, I'm gonna buy. And I'll, I'm this is not I'm only gonna buy because of their defense. Their defense is like listen, if Micah Parsons is gonna be Lawrence Taylor 2.0 and he's just gonna wreck havoc every game, that's something you can't even game plan for, right? And then if you have a two-headed duo um, in the backfield doing what they do, and now Dak's finally getting back, there's not a weakness in this team, right? And I, it's more centered around Micah Parsons is so good that how often do you see a – I don't even know what position he is anymore, but a defensive end carry your team, a whole unit of your team like that. And he's that good, like where it could be to the point where let me go to work. Offense, you do as much as you can. I'm going to get the ball right back to you. Exactly. I'm going to say bye for the Cowboys, too. I do think this team is def- most definitely a contender. They got Dak Prescott's getting healthier. We saw what he could use coming back. His defense is crazy elite. But if this offense is able to put up points like that and this defense plays as good as they've been playing, no doubt about it. So I think the Cowboys are definitely in that conversation. But for me, I can never put them as a Super Bowl contender until they make an NFC Championship game, which hasn't happened in like 25 years. That's got to happen first for me. All right, let's quickly run through the Week 9 games and make our predictions real quick before we wrap this thing up. Let's start Thursday Night Football. Snooze Fest here. Eagles at the Texans. Yeah, Eagles take care of business. 34-14. Same. I got the Eagles 38-17. It's an absolute blowout. Vikings at the Commanders. Phillies could weirdly be an entertaining game. Yeah, I expect the Vikings to uh, hold out 23-17. I got the Vikings over the Commanders 30-27. to I think it's going to be down to the wire. Heineke always keeps them in games. I like the Vikings by three. Panthers at the Bengals. This is going to be a weird one, man, because I don't think the Bengals – are going to be that good going forward. I'm going to take the Panthers in this one, 24-23. Wow. wow. They're playing with a certain swag right now. I, absolutely. I'm going to take the Bengals in this one by 10, 31-21. They're at home. They need a win. I think they get back to it, and they get a win. However, I'm going to take two seconds here to shout out P.J. Walker. This dude is playing awesome, and he was playing awesome last year for Carolina. He does not get enough love. He's playing better football than Baker has, better football than Sam Donald was. Give P.J. Walker some love. That dude is balling out, and Carolina is playing significantly better than they were under Matt Rule. Got to give Steve Wilkes some credit, too, who's been the interim coach. Jets and the Bills. Yeah, Bills big time, 38-13. I, th- I think this is going to be a weird one. I do. I could be wrong. It's either going to be a complete blowout, like you said, or this could be a really weird game. And the Jets win this one. I'm going to take the Jets 21-17. A very awkward, weird game. And I think the Jets find a way to end up pulling it out and beat the Bills on this one. Colts at the Patriots. 
Patriots win this one, and they better take care of business against this. Really, I, I think Ellinger is going to be seeing ghosts against this defense. Um, Patriots big 31-15. I'm with you. All Patriots in this one. I'll take the Pats 24-13. Raiders at the Jaguars. Really two odd teams in this one. I'm going to take the Jaguars at home. Ugly game, 19-17. I'm with you. I got absolutely no faith in the Las Vegas Raiders right now. The Jaguars at least fight every week, and they're a young team. They're still learning how to win. I'm going to take the Jaguars 27-24. Dolphins at the Bears. Dolphins will win this one. They got <clears throat> revamped excitedness in that locker room after the trade. Um, Bears aren't that good. Dolphins win 28-17. I'll take the Dolphins 27-21. I know the Bears have been they, – they, their offense has been doing pretty good lately. But this Dolphins team, they're on a roll right now. They win it by six. Packers at the Lions, two teams that desperately need a win. Yeah, you would think uh, it's a get-right game for the Packers. Lions need this one just as bad to stay at least competitive in the division. I'm going to take the Packers here, 21-17. I'm going to take the Packers, too, 31-28. The Lions keep it close as they always do. There's always drama in a Detroit Lions game. I got the Packers by three, though. Aaron Rodgers, there's no way he loses five straight games. Not a chance. Chargers at the Falcons. It's going to be a super exciting one. I'm going to take the Falcons, though, 41-38. It's going to be mayhem in this game. I'm with you. I like the Falcons at home, man. This seems like a Chargers got to go Eastern time zone game, cross country. Falcons are at home. I like it. Falcons win at 28-24. Seahawks at the Cardinals. This is going to be one of those games where the Seahawks get off to a crazy good start, and then all of a sudden Kyler does some black magic at the end, brings them back, but the Cardinals still lose. 35-28. 35-28 Seahawks. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I'm going to take the Cardinals 24-21 at home. They need it. Um, Seahawks got to go on the road. Cardinals need to win badly. They win by three. Rams, Buccaneers. Bucks at home. Nah, I just think the Bucks need this one a little bit more, man. Bucks. There's no chance Tom Brady drops. Drops to three and six. No chance. I like the Bucks at home, 26-23. Titans at the Chiefs. Chiefs, I mean, taking both of these teams are five and two. They're so different. Chiefs oh, 100%. show the real class of the five and twos in this game. 35-23. How in the name of God did we predict the exact same score? That's That's definitely the first on this podcast. I got the exact same scoreline there. I got Chiefs 35-23 over the Titans. Um, I think, yeah, Chiefs Chiefs go crazy. This one's not even close, man. If Malik Willis starts this game, it's going to be a tough, tough environment to play in at Arrowhead. Ravens at the Saints on Monday night. It's a good game for the Ravens. Um, Keep it going. Keep it moving. 28-17 Ravens. Yep, same. I like Ravens 31-24 on the road in New Orleans. Lamar gets the job done, and the Ravens, again, they've had a lot of rest, man. they got a Thursday night game and now a Monday night game, and then a bye week after this. A lot of – I think everyone would love to have a two, three-week stretch like the Ravens have just there. So, man, should be good. Week nine, already at the midway point. Final thoughts, B. Can't believe we're already at the midpoint. It's crazy how fast this is going. Wild. It's, it's absolutely wild. Oh, man, this was a lot, a lot of great stuff to talk about on this episode. It was jam-packed. Um, if you stayed with us till this point, 
thank you very much for that. I mean, it was it was a lot to talk about with that, but we'll see you all next week. And also don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And we will see what happens after week nine. Will the Rams drop to three and five? Or is Tom Brady and the Bucks really going to be three and six? Can't wait to see what happens and transpires there. And will Emi Udoka be the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? We'll find out hopefully by the next time we jump on the pod next week as well. So until then, enjoy another great week of sports and we will see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. Keep it locked and stay tuned. We got a lot more sports content coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.